Early Risers is supported by Health Partners and Park Nicollet. From rashes, fevers, shots, and all other things that make you worry a lot, Health Partners has pediatric care for your kids. Visit healthpartners.com slash schedule. From Little Moments Count in Minnesota Public Radio, this is Early Risers, waking up to racial equity in early childhood. I'm your host, Diane Halsey, with Think Small in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This podcast is about how to talk with very young children about race and racism. So next week, I'll be gathering with my family for Thanksgiving. We like to get together and cook up a bunch of soul food. We all look forward to my son's mac and cheese. And we just enjoy being together as a family, eating a good meal together. But as much as I enjoy this holiday, I now know that the so-called Pilgrim and Indian stories I was taught as a child in school are problematic and racist and also untrue. Those stories perpetuate harmful stereotypes of Indigenous people as docile, childlike, and primitive. And they also whitewash a painful history of violence and colonization that continues to impact Indigenous communities today. And that got me thinking about how these stories show up in early childhood and how to have a more honest conversation with children about our country's history. That's why I wanted to speak with today's guest, Vanessa Goodthunder. She's an emerging leader in early childhood education here in Minnesota, and she is also Dakota and Navajo, also known as Diné. Vanessa directs the Lower Sioux Early Head Start and Head Start program. It's called Chanchiape Wakayinja Oweyawa OT, which is Dakota for Lower Sioux Children, our sacred school. It's a language immersion program where children learn Dakota history and language as their birthright. We really believe that when we learn our language, it has our identity, it has our history, it has our astronomy, it has everything in it, and it has our sense of belonging. And so slowly when you learn your language, you learn who you are so you know where you're going to go. On today's episode of Early Risers, Vanessa Goodthunder explains why every day is Indigenous Peoples Day and how she uses language as a tool to heal from historical trauma. We spoke in October 2021, just before Halloween, and we started our conversation with Vanessa introducing herself in Dakota. Um, hello, my relatives. It's good that you're here. Vanessa Goodthunder, Makiapie, Dakota Yasnasnawi Demie, Chansheapi Dematahan, Chansheapi Wakayanjo, Oyawa Oti, Ed Hktawaniye, Oyawa Oi Tanchehemachaye. Dechia wakayanja ob Dakota unkiapi chinch, Dakota oyate ki, Dakota iapi kiha, stod kiapi kte, he hechid ubuduk chaye. Damakota bedewakantua hemachaye nakun, shinahede hedeha hemachaye. Pidamayapi. Well, hello everybody. I just introduced myself. My name is Vanessa Goodthunder. My Dakota name is Nastawi, which means jingling woman. And I come from where they paint the trees red, also known as mm-hmm. Chanshayapi is what we call it traditionally, a lower suit Indian community in southwest Minnesota. So to the left, you're going to see some corn and to the right, you're going to see some more <laughs> corn is what I say. I just said I work at Chanshayapi Wakayanja Oyawa OT, which is the Lower Sioux Early Head Start and Head Start, otherwise translated Lower Sioux Children are Sacred School. 
Um, I'm the director there. We are just so excited and blessed to have this school. And I'm Dakota. I'm Bidewa Kantua Dakota, but I'm also Navajo. So in Southwest Minnesota, my mom's from there. So you're actually Dakota and Navajo. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. I can't remember and put a pin on it exactly when I knew I was Dakota or Diné. I think my mom and my dad just always told me. They took me to all of the ceremonies, the Dakota, because I was born and raised here at Lower Sioux. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was born in 1994, you know, I never had to learn what it was like to be without those ceremonies. So right. a lot of remember, reclaiming and reconnecting there. So now my life's mission is just to keep on doing that so these babies can grow up and never remember what it was like not to know their language and who they were. I I just love that. And I and I also know that for you language is something that's really important. And and you talk about how language can be healing and you are actually I understand one of a few dozen people who actually learned Dakota as an adult. Is that correct? Yeah, um, because there there's so few native Dakota speakers in Minnesota. Facts. There are only five first language speakers left in the state, and they're all over the age of 66. Um, I'm a second language learner. I dedicated my my life to it when I was 18. Um, My dad got sick, and I almost went to Brandeis for school, and I wanted to get out, and I wanted to be a sociology teacher. And when he got sick, I just... I wanted to stay near, and I loved the University of Minnesota Twin Cities Dakota Language Program. And mm. the reason why I wanted to leave, um, I keep reflecting back on it, is because I was so sick of all these negative statistics for Native yeah. American Indigenous folks. There, someone told me 50% um, of American Indian students who go to college quit and come home because they want to be close wow. to home and they want to come back to to the res, to, to their communities. And I was like, nope, that's not going to be me. I'm headed out. I'm going eastbound. And I think I was just so upset about those. I wanted to keep ticking it and being that different outlier. When reality, the solutions are always within the community. And I always voice that so much. And so we, I, I it was the best decision of my life to go to the U of M and, and stay close. And um, that's when I dedicated myself to the language. I, so I just love the fact that you say you dedicated yourself to language and you are actually now in um, an early childhood program using that language and teaching that language. You say you, you believe that language is healing and can be used as a healing force to the Dakota community. And this episode, we're talking about historical trauma. And historical trauma are those traumas that have happened to a group of people that can still be felt in the community generations later. Hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how the Dakota people experienced historical trauma and how you are using language to kind of work and heal some of that trauma? Absolutely. Um, it was when I learned from first language speaker Glenn Washichina. He's um, a, a master speaker that really helped um, grow my language. I we still work with him today. Gosh, I just love him, Glenn. If you're listening, I love you so much. Um, <laughs> but he said, you know, 
Vanessa, Dakota people, when they're born, they're born with Dakota Wichoha. And he had, he did the little circle with his hands. And that's the Dakota mm. way of life. We have it. It's in us. It's always been. Um, there's many stories that explain how language has always been within us. Um, and who we are is always there. But for some reason, we get pushed out to this other circle. And you can't get to the Dakota Wichoha because it's all cloudy. And... That cloudiness is historical trauma. And so there's so many different events that we could talk for days and days about historical trauma. Um, you know, boarding schools, that's been in the news quite a bit. They're, they're finally finding the, the children that were, they're buried there as young as three years old, which mm. those are children that we serve here. So we really try to teach that here to our kids and really bring awareness to that because we are their environment to help heal. There's genocide, the U.S. Dakota War, you know, um, IHS, Indian Health Service, just a couple decades ago, they were sterilizing our Native women. There was, there's systematic pushes to take away who we are so that we assimilate and really that's taking away our identity, that has loss of language, um, that has loss of how we developed our families and ways of child rearing. There's loss of land. And there's just all of this loss that is so heartbreaking. And these new cycles of trauma happen. So in the mm. boarding schools, there was molestation to our children. And now we see the ancestors from them, the descendants, continued that cycle because then they grew up and molested their child and on and on and on. And yeah. we need to keep educating so that we can break those cycles. And so that's the historical trauma portion of it. And we really believe that when we learn our language, it has our identity, it has our history, it has our astronomy, it has everything in it, and it has our sense of belonging. And there's yeah. so much research that explains that. And so slowly when you learn your language, you learn who you are so you know where you're going to go. And you know, you're slowly getting back to that Dakota Wichoha, which is always within us. When are we going to get back to Dakota Wichoha? I don't know. I'm only 27. Glenn didn't <laughs> tell me. Um, all I know is my dad and his generation and, and my mom and her generation, they they ticked it forward. So I never grew without my my cultural ceremonies. And now that's my part now to keep ticking it closer to Dakota Wichoha. That's beautiful. So Right now in my mind, like I'm thinking about your your children, your babies that are in your in your program. And tell me a little bit about how do you teach this language and what are some of the tools that you use? And also, how how have you seen or witnessed what that does to your children when they are learning their language? Like, can you see a change in them? Oh my gosh, our babies are the best. They're so beautiful and so wonderful. <laughs> They have so much pride in who they are as Dakota and so much pride speaking, so much pride practicing their culture everywhere. Um, one parent was like, we were trying on shoes. Then he started, you know, dancing like at Wachipi at powwow um, just oh. to test the shoes out. And I got a little embarrassed. I was like, oh, my God, like people are going to look at us like, oh, look at those Indians over there. And then I had to remind myself, the dad said that 
this is who we are. And I'm, I was ready to cry. My, my baby (laughs) knows who he is and he doesn't care who sees it. And here I am nervous. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to just, they're just breaking the way for us. And and we're just going to get out of the way. We're just going to give them the tools and then follow their lead. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing like a child knowing who they are. And I, and I often say, especially in Minnesota, Children of color really need to have that good, strong ego strength so that they know who they are, because at some point the world is going to tell them something different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like what you're doing there is so beautiful to give that gift for those children to know um, who they are from the get go. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about your program and what you do? Uh, it's a it's a Head Start program, right? Absolutely. Yes. Great question. Yeah, we're a birth to five Dakota immersion, early Head Start and Head Start. So we have center-based. So the children come four days a week. They learn Dakota. They learn their early childhood and they have wraparound services. Home-based, um, we have a home-based teacher go into the homes for birth to three-year-olds. So families who aren't ready for baby to come into the center um, and just want to to learn the curriculum with them in the language. So the home-based teacher goes to their home um, and wraparound services with Mm -hmm. that. I'll get to that because that's so important. Um, Expectant families program. So people who are preparing for baby. Fun fact, babies can tell and differentiate between languages in the womb. Um, Wow, really? Fantastic. I'm so, so like, speak, 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 Dakota, any, you know, your language to your babana in the womb, they know. So we serve 60 in the center, 10 home-based and 12 expected families. So 82 children and families total. When there's only five first language speakers left in the state of Minnesota, we're just trying to spread it. I had an expectant family, um, father who works at McDonald's and he he spoke from the speaker and he was just like, which means good morning. And then after we got our food, okay, which means like, see you later. And honestly, <laughs> that was the first time I have ever heard Dakota in a non-tribal, non-native organizational space. And um, like, so at the McDonald's, at, so organically. <laughs> and so I literally was about to cry. He was just like, yeah, I just like to speak. And so he's, Went for expected family, now home-based, and he just keeps learning. And so come to McDonald's. We got Dakota there. <laughs> I'm Diane Halsey, and you're listening to Early Risers, Waking Up to Racial Equity in Early Childhood. My guest today is Vanessa Goodthunder. She directs a Head Start program in the Lower Sioux community in southwestern Minnesota, where children learn the Dakota language from the time they are small. Vanessa is also a Dakota language activist and ambassador who believes that language is a tool for healing. So at Think Small, where I work, we started a text messaging program for parents where we text weekly facts, tips, and activities that parents can use to help prepare their children for kindergarten. I asked Vanessa Goodthunder how she's using this texting program with parents in her community. 
And so because I work at Think Small, I also know that you've used our texting program, too, to, to kind of help text in Dakota to your parents little messages about, you know, early childhood information about how to bond and, you know, just, you know, information, because we know a lot of people like to text these days. And I think you, I even saw that you do little little short videos. I mean, you all have been very creative in how you're doing this whole Dakota language immersion with your parents and and families. Today's thing small is clothes. Heyake means clothes. Use Dakota as your child gets dressed. Kich um, put on. How have your parents really responded to that? Oh, um, they love the text messaging. And we just did Halloween words and the parents love it. They always ask like, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean? Because we're not only trying to raise our teachers in the language to be able to raise the babies. It's so important for those parents to speak at home because that's where it's going to be. Um, right. So, so, so what is what is maybe one of the Halloween words that you that you use? Um, Daku skuya is kind of how we made trick or treat, which is something okay. sweet. <laughs> Daku skuya. Yeah. So tomorrow, our tribe is so gracious and letting our kids go around and trick or treat with them. And so I'm hoping oh, that nice. they'll all say Daku skuya or Na Ichu. Here you go <laughs> to the kids. Iteha, kich umpi. I'm Petu. Wash day. You happy? And what does that mean? Happy. Happy Halloween. Can you guys say As long as we're talking about holidays, we do have Thanksgiving that is coming up. And this holiday, there's a lot of controversy around it. Now, I will say, I am of the age that when I was young, and I grew up in Minnesota, when I was young, I remember Thanksgiving coming around and us doing activities like cutting out turkeys with our hand. But they will also include sometimes these images and pictures of Indigenous people you know, dressed perhaps in ancient clothing. And we just took it as that's the way it was. And we brought these things home. And now I recognize that was, first of all, it was incredibly racist. And second of all, the messages that we were taught were just simply not true. They were lies. We we were taught about the first Thanksgiving. And so sometimes I know that these messages are still taught, or at least the messages continue on in in this false history. And so I want to ask you, how do you all talk to your young children about the things that have happened in the past? How do you, um, what kind of language do you use to talk about the fact that you may hear other people talk about this false history, but this is what really happened to our people? Yeah, I remember growing up with Thanksgiving and it was very much the same except um my parents told me like they're basically they sucked um and they um <laughs> they didn't hold up their end of a relationship when you want yeah. to be in a relationship with somebody Vanessa um if you give your word you know stick to it when you each help each other to live 
make sure you help them to live. Make sure you don't turn your back on them and help them die because of greed, because they wanted land. And we don't own the land, is what my parents always said. That's not what we are. We're we're stewards of the land. And I'm saying it, um, they said it in way early childhood Mm -hmm. terms. I'm just saying what I remember got out of it. And they're like, you know, the land is Unchimaka, which is our grandmother earth. It's our relative. And Midakuye Owasi is one of the huge foundational terms and philosophies for Dakota, which means we're all related. We're related to mm-hmm. the eon, the stones. We're related to the cha, the tree, and their stories with each one of them and how they're they're living and breathing. That's how you treat things. And that's how you treat people. That's kind of how how they discuss Thanksgiving with with me and how they would hope I don't choose that route that happened there. And that's kind of how I go by it too, because it, it really made sense when you really get the big goal of relationships. This is what happened. This is the relationship. And this is how it ended turning up. And it just made me, I got really quiet. I didn't say anything. I just wanted to disappear when I always saw Columbus or Thanksgiving and the depictions of the Native Americans, um, certain tribes in their their outfits back then because nobody acknowledged that that's not what we look like. So for our kids, they know their language. They know who they are. I was just telling a little three-year-old who's going to be turning four in December, you know, he was having a hard day. So I took him on a mani walk and then I, I was just like, oh, I got to go on a podcast do you know what that is? He was like, no. And then I was trying to explain to him. And then I was like, yeah, I got to go talk about Thanksgiving. I got to talk about Dakota. Got to talk about those colonizers, right? And he's like, yeah. Because um, he knows. He know, I've We've yeah. had him since he was like seven months. And I was like, mm-hmm. just remember, Damakota, we are Dakota. And he just puts his little fist up and he says, Damakota. He, he knows who he is. So he was just so comfortable. He just like looked at me like, mm-hmm, yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) You did a beautiful job talking about how you all talk with um, your children and your program and the Dakota children. But for people that are not Indigenous, how would you recommend how they would talk to their young children about uh, the Indigenous history, culture, Thanksgiving even? How how would you recommend? Yeah, I would just take a note out of my parents' guide and explain to them, this is what happened. It wasn't a good relationship. And because of that, Mm -hmm. we have some not so great systems. So we got to keep building to be better people. Um, You know, you don't have to teach Midakuyawasi. We're all related. That might not be your philosophy, but we all have to live on this earth together. We have you know, different values teaching. So there's different children's books out there that explains that if you want to explain like, you know, that's our values that um, Dakota people do. There's books about nowadays indigenous folks. There's books about historical times. Just make sure you we're always including the now um, so kids don't think that it's just a museum exhibit that doesn't exist. It could be your friend in your second grade class that wants to disappear in a seat because he might be his the only only Dakota kid, only Native American, only Indigenous 
kid in there and he just wants his history to be told too. Um, unfortunately, when we decide to ignore these topics, then we end up ignoring our, our classmates and our people we live on this earth with. And with that comes a lot of hardship on, on those children who feel like they are non-existent. They feel like they just don't matter. And that's something we don't want any child to feel. And so that's what happens when we don't talk about it. We lose people. Um, and it's it's going to be the Native children and it's going to be the Native people. And what I'll say, too, is that I don't think people realize how much or think about how much um, of the history of Indigenous people has been erased. Mm. And by not talking about it, we're just perpetuating that erasure. And so I think it's really important that we say, you know, developmentally appropriately mm. um, to be able to talk to young children so that they know and then they know the history um, as opposed to, like you said, just acting like just ignoring it or, or acting like it's, it doesn't exist or perpetuating a false narrative. That's yeah. that's just simply not true. Um, and you were telling me I was uh, uh, we were talking before we started recording about Indigenous Peoples Day, and you were joking, saying, "Well, at my place, every day is Indigenous Peoples Day." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, can you talk a little bit about like how you talk about you know that as well, and and how is every day Indigenous People Day? You know, at your center. Oh, it's so funny. Every day we smudge, um, which is a practice of. <sighs> You use sage and we smudge ourselves down, which um, purifies us, cleanses us. You know, we do our traditional games. We do, we kabu, we drum and sing and learn our ceremonial songs. And so that's what we do here. Every day is Indigenous Peoples Day, but we had the day off. It's Indigenous Peoples Day here for our tribe. It's our tribal holiday. And so Brittany, our center supervisor, was walking through the three to five-year-old classroom. Okay, everybody, we don't have school on Monday. Why don't we have it? Indigenous Peoples Day. Okay, what are we going to do for Indigenous Peoples Day? And she didn't have enough time for circle time. She ran out. So they just got Indigenous Things. <laughs> so she had she was they were walking through it uh, when parent pick up and she was going over and one dad just laughed so hard and she she was like okay what are indigenous yeah, things what I are indigenous it. things and she was naming them off and they were like that's just that's just everything that we do already so they were just kind of confused they're like i don't know why we have a whole day off just to do things that we already do um we already are doing every day <laughs> and honestly i'm yeah. so exhausted on indigenous people's day um because everybody wants to get the knowledge everybody wants that and i think yeah. education is my passion but i think this year i was a little tired i just slept i was like indigenous people's day i'm not answering the phone i'm being i'm celebrating myself <laughs> <laughs> Rest is a form of uh, resistance, so Facts. remember that. <laughs> so, can you tell me what you'll be doing uh, this Thanksgiving? What is your fa- how does your family celebrate? Oh goodness, <laughs> yeah, you know. 
deep down, I want to be like, yeah, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, which we really don't. We're not like, hey, let's come all together and eat because right. um, the Mayflower colonization happened. Woo. Um, we don't do that. But it is time where, you know, people let you take off work and yep. you get to come together and be a family. So we really just practice our ways again and just we we get to eat together um and we get to share that that time which you know I do understand there's families around here that that's all that Thanksgiving is for them um so they're like no I'm not celebrating the Mayflower but just the right. fact that that's why we have it off I think we need to just take a look and say whoa that's kind of crazy um let's take time to share the the real the real history the the other side the perspective that you know we had to take to get what we have here and absolutely when you do that a lot of hurt and a lot of pain happened and we need to really figure out why our systems are still hurting a certain people and that's that's us that's Dakota that's Indigenous that's Native American and what how do we fix it we need to go to them because the solutions are in their communities absolutely and just get out of the way let us revitalize ourselves and let us heal cuz we know how um mm-hmm. but again we we got pushed down there's a lot of loss that we we need some we need some education to to help stop um stereotypes in, in classrooms to start off with um is kind of one of my goals absolutely beautiful um, so before we go, can you tell us, uh, I know our, our listeners would love to know, like, are there specific resources that you might recommend, like early childhood resources, if they're books or things to listen to, uh, toys even, um, that you would recommend, um, are helpful in having these conversations or just helpful in, in learning about the Indigenous people and the Dakota people? Um I would go first and foremost to lsciwu.com. That's our our website. We have Dakota language resource. Um, Ryan, my co-teacher, he says he wants to make a Dakota language repository. And so there we're just sharing other websites that do the same thing and have those resources. We're sharing books that we think are important and and helpful on your language journey and and to share in the classrooms. Last year, we did a two-part webinar series on Dakota history and culture. Um, They're an hour each, so go for on there. We have Dakota language videos. We have handouts and we're wonderful yeah and we're about to launch in winter a self-paced online module class to learn dakota oh that is beautiful we're trying here Um, yeah we'll be sure to put all of that on our resource page those are excellent all really excellent resources well i just want to say i have just really enjoyed talking with you vanessa for a lot of reasons one because you're so wise even as oh gosh, even no, as I'm young not. as you are, yeah, as young as you are, and and you're clearly you know emerging as a leader in the early childhood field and and all of this, and so I'm really enjoying you know watching that. So I just want to say, Piyamayapi for everybody. Thank you so much for for listening. Um, again, I don't know everything. I I'm only 27. Nobody does. <laughs> I sure hope 
you got something out of it. And if you ever need some help, just let me know. Absolutely. Thank you, Vanessa. <laughs> Vanessa Goodthunder is director of Chanchiape Wakainja Oweyawa OT, which is Dakota for Lower Sioux Children, our sacred school in Morton, Minnesota. We've posted links to some of the Dakota language videos and children's books Vanessa discussed in our interview on our episode page, along with other resources about how to talk with young children about Thanksgiving and Indigenous history. And as Vanessa explained in our interview, ThinkSmall has a free texting program where we send weekly texts with practical parenting tips and activities for children birth to five years old. You can find more information, including how to sign up, on our episode page. Don't forget, we now have discussion guides for all of our episodes, including this conversation with Vanessa Goodthunder. You can find those discussion guides at npr.org backslash early risers. While you're there, you can also subscribe to this podcast. And for more resources on how to talk with very young children about race and racism, visit littlemomentscount.org. This episode of Early Risers was produced by Nancy Rosenbaum. Our technical director is Alex Simpson, and our executive producer is Andrea Bork. Kaviesh Kavaraj composed our theme song, I Still Remember. Special thanks to the whole team at Little Moments Count and NPR. I'm your host, Diane Halsey. Thanks for listening.